Welcome to the U.S. Fire Journal Podcast. We offer views and opinions on the fire service around the world with no topic too tough to handle. Visit us at usfirejournal.com for all your fire service information. Now, here's your host, Jay. Good morning. Welcome into the podcast. Today is August the 21st. It's 2022. I'm Jay. And, you know, we hadn't done a weekend podcast in a in a few minutes, so I thought, why not? We'll do a weekend one, maybe answer a couple of questions. This is a freewheeling episode. I'm just going to riff on whatever comes to mind. But I do want to point out that uh, Tuesday morning, I will be publishing the podcast um uh, of an interview that I did with a deputy chief of a department. Uh, We discussed education. And as many of you know and are already hard at work on things, there are many different levels of education. There's there's all kinds of things we do to better ourselves. And it's just a conversation with with someone who uh, has uh, spent considerable time working for uh, a fire academy and also fire departments. And we get his take on education and what people should be looking at going forward. So excited about that. I'll publish that Tuesday morning. You know, I think it was yesterday. um, I received uh, a piece of video and it was from a department on the East Coast. And I, I don't know how old the video is, but it was interesting in as much as it, it showed um, an aero device being utilized to take out a window. And I know there are people out there who are horrified when that happens. They go, oh my gosh, these people don't know what they're doing. And, you know, part of the, part of the reality of, of being on the ground and of uh, talking about the amount of fire activity you get you know, there are things done that uh, probably don't meet the textbook definition of, you know, that's the best thing to do. But, but here's the thing about textbook definitions. Oftentimes, in fact, almost always, they're written in a vacuum. They are. They're, things are sterile when, when things come out of a textbook. Things are, are necessarily sterile. It's a sterile environment. All things are usually created equal with respect to, to the scenario that they're outlining. In reality, uh, quick thinking often saves lives. And ultimately, that's the key to a fire service career and a fire department. Are you saving lives? Are you protecting property? Make no mistake, life safety's first. Um, it's the safety of those citizens and then the safety of firefighters. But ultimately, people use their equipment in different ways. And oftentimes, and I've been witness and have participated in this many times, you will use a piece of equipment to do something and some people are like, oh my gosh, I can't believe they did that. Um, the bottom line is it's equipment. You know, it's not flesh, it's equipment. And when you're faced with a situation where you have to think quickly, and when, when the fire activity is intense, you know, you're going to fire after fire, um, there's lives on the line, it's, it's, not a, 
It's, it's nothing you see in a book, but what it is is real life. And all things being equal, look, bottom line, get the job done. That's the goal. So I also had the opportunity uh, over the last oh, 10 days or so to uh, watch a department work on a donated uh, RV, recreational vehicle. It was an older model RV, and uh, um, it was dropped off for them to work uh, with extrication, uh, just cutting, uh, you know, taking the drive shaft off, all sorts of things. And I think for many firefighters, kind of an eye-opening experience. And I thought I would share some of the things that, that I witnessed um, with respect to, especially with respect to, to RVs. And, and we all know, or we should know, that even current RVs, high-dollar RVs, they, these things are they're not battleships. They're not. They're not cruisers. They're not even a destroyer. They're not even a minesweeper. Um, they can be very luxurious, uh, top of the line. The bottom line is they are not constructed uh, in the same way that an A-10 Warthog is. They are constructed uh, as you would expect. And I think firefighters' eyes were opened in the sense that it was easy to gain access, extremely easy. Now, this one was rolled over on its side so as to uh, provide firefighters with an additional challenge. And, uh, you know, my old standby, because it always starts and uh, it, it definitely never runs out of fuel, the pickhead axe, um, they were able to gain access through the roof using a pickhead axe, and it was like a hot knife through butter. Now, you know, have standards changed on RVs? Absolutely. Safety standards, all sorts of things since the 70s, 80s, 90s, and, and the early aughts. Uh, it certainly has changed. But make no mistake, again, these things are not armor. Um, they will, if they roll over, uh, they are going to make a mess on a highway. And so one of the things that, that I think people should keep in mind when it comes to an RV is, first of all, what can it be carrying? Well, we always think, well, it's a family of four. Uh, not always. Um, for those in the Nashville area, they will recall the Christmas Day bombing uh, when, uh, you know, you had uh, an RV that was turned basically into a bomb. You don't know what an RV's carrying. It's more likely than not it's carrying an innocent family, couple, whatever, who's just out to see things. But you can't take that for granted any more than you can take for granted what... Uh, a, uh, an 18-wheeler driver tells you that, that they're hauling. They don't know for sure. And uh, so with an RV, you know, you have, okay, what's it carrying? Um, second, and this is a big one uh, for me, um, what are some of the hazards in an RV? Well, it's not the most rigid construction, and, and we know that. And when one rolls over, hey, you could end up throwing a ladder up there and having something collapse. It depends on the speed at which it rolled over. It, it depends on the forces. Did it hit something else? How far did it slide? All of those things come into play. Um, propane tanks, that's another one. Uh, dirty water, 
you know, let's face it, people do their business in an RV. The last thing you want to do to one that's rolled over on its side is to uh, end up with a mouthful of gray water. Not conducive to a good day. The, um, then the obvious thing is you can have entrapments in RVs. You can. Now, the driver is typically restrained. Uh, seat belt, usually the front seat passenger. But you can't guarantee that all passengers are, are restrained. They could be riding anywhere in there. Therefore, you, are, you might have to search for, for an occupant. That's another thing. And uh, the smaller the occupant, children, you get down to babies. Uh, hopefully they're restrained in some way, shape, or form because they're going to go flying. That makes your job much more difficult, especially as it relates to finding them, stabilizing them, and getting them out. I guess one of the selling points of an RV, right, is that you can take your adventure anywhere. You don't have to worry about hotel rooms. You don't have to, you know, uh, you, you can pretty much drive as long as you want because you're going to pull over and you're going you're gonna to get rest. And so that's a big selling point for people. It's, it's an adventure vehicle, really. But it can also be an adventure for firefighters. And one of the things, you know, if, if it's running 40, 50 miles an hour higher than that, typically when one of these hits something, it's going to come apart. Um, that means you're going to have debris all over the highway. That could mean that you have a propane tank rolling down the highway that's going to get hit by a second vehicle. Um, it's just, it's a home on wheels to be sure. Uh, one that moves and it is uh, not anchored. Um, basically your strongest part, your frame. And after that, it just kind of depends on how well it's been maintained. Obviously the age, the construction materials. But what I would say is expect it to be a mess inside. Um, it is, they are not built to withstand collisions. Um, they not knocking them. Let's face it, not doing that. Uh, they look like a lot of fun. And, and the ones I've been on have been a lot of fun. At the same time, for firefighters, it's sort of a, okay, what can we learn from this? And, and being able to watch uh, people operate on it, um, they were able to throw ladders up, gain access through doors, through windows, and go in and, and get a victim, bring them out. It was good training, and that's, that's what training is supposed to be. Training, it, it keeps your skills sharp, and it teaches you something. It gives you an idea of what's coming next or what could come next. And uh, so that, that was an interesting time uh, with uh, looking at the RVs. And it, it's also interesting, a real good friend of mine, um, he's a sharp, he's sharp. I'm telling you, he's young, extremely sharp, knows the fire service. And uh, uh, I guess it was a day or two later, whatever, he and I were, were uh, sitting with another firefighter, and he happened to pull up some, uh, some videos of uh, air chisels. And uh, watching extrication utilizing air chisels, and you talk about a hot knife through butter. And it got me thinking, you know, um, if you used an air chisel on, a, on, a, uh, on an RV, it, it, it's almost too much. Uh, obviously, you can use it uh, because air chisels are really good at opening things up and it all goes back to to the same thing with extrication throughout the years back when i first learned it 
and uh, it stays the same today. Technique, technique is more important than brute strength. You will get more done with technique than you can ever hope to get done with brute strength. And with an air chisel, it's especially true. I, I recall one time um, there was a, uh, a logging truck um, that, that overturned and uh, the driver was pinned in the cab, had been pinned in the cab for well over 45 minutes. And uh, I went with uh, the heavy rescue and uh, it was a pretty good ways out. There was another rescue already on scene, uh, but they needed the heavy rescue and, and the heavy rescue used the air chisels to, to get through the, the headache rack, the cab, and, and to finally pull the driver out. And, you know, it is a necessary tool. It really is, especially if you want to gain access quickly and efficiently. Um, let it be said that the air chisel is absolutely efficient. And we always talk about cutters and spreaders, and, and that's a great conversation to have. Um, but the air chisel on a scene can, can remove many headaches, no pun intended. There are... Uh, a couple of questions that were sent in to me, and I thought I would answer them. This isn't a Friday, but I thought, why not, for, for questions and answers. And uh, one of the people uh, sent in and said, hey, um, we are looking at buying a new engine, and we've heard about uh, supply chain interruptions and, and what have you. Just wondering if uh, you know of anybody that's had a real bad experience lately ordering apparatus. Uh, I know that, that some apparatus have been delayed. Um, I've heard that enough. I, I get emails from people all the time. Um, so, yes, there's been some. But I've been, I think, pleasantly surprised by the number of those, those people that reached out because other, other orders are screaming right on through. Um, I don't know what the difference is. Um, I know that one department ordered a truck, this is an engine, that's exactly the same as another department ordered. One is getting it fairly quickly, and the other says they're not. Now, this other department's not complaining about it because they don't need it right this second. But I don't know how that plays out. I, I don't know why that would play out that way. Um, I think uh, oftentimes it's, it's like ordering anything. Um, it depends on timing. And it's the same with, with getting parts. It depends on when you place that order, what, what place in the queue you were, whether or not there's, there's a slow boat on the way or a fast aircraft or, or, uh, or a truck that's delivering it. Um, I think it's all timing. I don't know how you maximize your chances of getting great timing other than to say that if you need something, order it earlier. So if you're looking at, at replacing an apparatus, a uh, piece of apparatus, try to order it even earlier than you normally would, um, if that's possible. Budgets being what they are and, and the way uh, fiscal years work, I don't know what kind of impact that will have, but that would definitely be a suggestion. Get that order in earlier rather than, than the normal time because, let's face it, you give them uh, an extra six months to a year, and it's more likely that yours will arrive uh, on the date in which they tell you it can arrive, and that 
that includes these, uh, these delays because of supply chain considerations. Another thing I will say, I think people are using the whole supply chain thing, not saying that it's not valid because it is, but I think some are using it as an excuse. Um, and you know, well, we're not, you know, we can't get our truck because it's, it's, you know, 24 months behind because they haven't shipped the first bolt from outer Mongolia. I, whatever. Um, bottom line is just, you know, get your orders in early, as early as you can. And, uh, hopefully you hit it at just the right time. Here's a question that I've answered before, but I've gotten five or six of these in two weeks. Actually, in three weeks. I want to get your take on traditional helmets versus uh, the more common tactical Tupperware that, uh, that are all the rage now. Uh, what say you? Well, look, um, it's a fire helmet at the end of the day. Um, I grew up wearing leathers. I've worn the metros. I've worn the so-called tactical Tupperware the bottom line is it's a fire helmet. It is not the end-all and be-all of the world. In fact, in the grand scheme of the fire service, I don't think it's anything to really get upset over. Some people feel differently, just like some people you know, feel as though the color of a fire apparatus is the most important thing that can ever happen. Red, by the way, that's my choice. But here's the bottom line. You know, if you're working as a firefighter or volunteering your time as a firefighter, be a firefighter. Your helmet doesn't make you a firefighter. Your skill does. If some of these people spent more time on their skill as opposed to trying to look like what they perceive to be a firefighter, we'd have a much better fire service. And look, I get it. We each have our, our, uh, our likes and dislikes. And there are many times when um, it seems like we get caught on the little things. Um, that's understandable to a degree. But here's the bottom line. If your department tells you to wear this particular helmet, just wear it. At some point, you'll probably be able to change it because fire chiefs have, have their own uh, opinions about things. Um, so do firefighters. And so maybe you'll get someone who comes in who's more friendly to your style of helmet. Don't let that choice uh, dictate your career. Just, just don't. It's, it's really kind of silly at the end of the day. Another question. Um, well, that's not really a question. I'll skip over on that one. Let's see. Let me go through a couple more. See when, uh, let's see. Cascade systems. We're putting a cascade system on a rig on our rescue, uh, wondering what your thought is. Good idea. Um, you know, mobile cascade, take it where you need it. Um, it is available. You can share it with your response partners if need be. Um, you know, the bottom line is you have to have a cascade system or systems. Um, it's always good to have one in, in a station, uh, but it's also good to have a mobile one. And if that's what your department has determined is best for, for your department and their response area, hey, have at it. Uh, let's see. No, no, not doing that. Ah, search and rescue. Quick question. 
finished the academy. Our instructors were kind of ambivalent on whether you need a charge hose line to perform a search, just trying to figure out a bunch of people's opinions. Well, you know, no, you don't. Um, primary searches are often conducted without a hose line. Um, there are victims. And if you're a pro and, and you've been doing this, you understand that when you do a primary search, it can't always be with a hose line. Um, the, the bottom line is, is the primary search is quick. It's dirty. Get in, make a rapid search, get out. If a hose line is required to, to get to the primary search, so you have a fire that's, that's in uh, you know, a third of the house and, and it's rapidly spreading and there's a room that needs to be searched right there, then yes, having a hose line is awesome. But the fact is, is that many departments around the country, all the ones that I've been a part of for sure, have always valued that, that primary search as a way to save lives because it does. Um, it's like people who say, well, you shouldn't search above a fire. Yes, you should. I'm sorry, but, but that's a requirement. This is a job. Firefighting is a job that requires you to put your life in danger. If you're not comfortable with that, then don't do it. But don't try. Uh, if you're not comfortable with it, don't try uh, to make this a, a sterile operating room because it's not. This is an EMS. This is fire. That means that it, it's dirty and that it's dangerous, and it's dangerous a lot. And just because it's, it's like people who say, you know, I, I don't even see why we, we go up on roofs anymore. Um, that's, you, the reason you think that is because you're not a firefighter. I'm sorry. Um, firefighters have to go on roofs. It's a necessity. Do you have to go on every roof? No. But if you're part of a truck company and your department values the, the efficiency and effectiveness of a truck, then yes, you do have to go up there. I get tired of people who, who don't really do the job saying, nah, it's too dangerous. Well, if it's too dangerous, go do something else. The world doesn't conform to what you want. And that's, a, that's something that hopefully you learn with, with maturation. Um, you know, yeah, it sucks to be on a roof that when the building's on fire sometimes, but it sucks to do a lot of things. Um, bottom line is it's a job that requires skill and bravery. Um, and if you don't have either, then you shouldn't be doing it. There are tons of other jobs out there that would, that would not require you to go up on a roof or otherwise put yourself in danger. Go do them. Finally today, uh, just want to reiterate that uh, on Tuesday we'll put out another podcast that will discuss uh, education. Um, it will go up Tuesday morning, and uh, I hope everyone enjoys it. Until Wednesday, stay safe.